Hello and welcome to Meiwei's Chinese Medicine Matters podcast, where we share traditional Chinese medicine news, research, and topics relevant to TCM practitioners and students. I'm Lauren Coffell, and in today's episode, William McLean will be discussing abdominal distension. William McLean is a graduate of the New South Wales College of Natural Therapies with a Diploma of Traditional Chinese Medicine in 1987, and the University of Technology, Sydney, with a Master's in Science in Traditional Chinese Medicine in 2004. Will interned at the Red Cross Hospital in Hangzhou, China, and apprenticed for several years under the renowned Chris Madden. In addition to the Clinical Handbook series, Will is the author of several works on Chinese medicine, including the Clinical Manual of Chinese Herbal Patent Medicine and the Clinical Handbook of Chinese Herbs. Will has taught widely in Australia, Europe, and the U.S., and while recently retired from nearly 30 years of clinical practice, maintains an ongoing interest in the development of strategies for the understanding and treatment of chronic infection, lingering pathogens, and chronic inflammatory disorders. Abdominal distension, or fu jiang in Chinese, is a sense of fullness, discomfort, blockage, or obstruction that mostly affects the upper abdomen, although it may be experienced across the abdomen as a whole. The distension itself may or may not be associated with visible swelling of the abdomen. The essential underlying problem and cause of the symptom is disruption to the qi dynamic, which is the natural movement of spleen qi upwards and stomach qi downwards. This upwards-downwards dynamic creates a dynamo of qi movement throughout the gastrointestinal tract. This qi dynamic disruption is caused largely by diet and emotional factors. In terms of the diet, its volume, the types of food and the way it's consumed that are the main problems. In terms of volume, well just generally too much food which gives rise to food stagnation. This can be just too much food in general, or more than can be efficiently processed by the individual concerned. Uh, In Australia, at least, our general feeling is that most people consume about 30% more than they need to, given the largely sedentary occupations of the modern world. The type of food is also very important. Cold, raw foods uh, weaken the spleen and stomach, whereas An excessively rich or heating diet can give rise to damp heat or phlegm heat. Also, there are a lot of food intolerances which seem to be increasingly common these days. Things like gluten and dairy, possibly related to manipulation and tampering of the food chain by the agro-industrial complex and the excessive use of pesticides, herbicides and other chemicals that go into our food supplies. And not only the volumes and the types of foods, but the way it's consumed can contribute significantly to abdominal distension. Um, Eating at irregular times, eating late at night, while in a rush, while stressed out, while working or in some other uh, way occupied, has a significant negative effect on the ability of the spleen and stomach to do its job properly and efficiently. Stress, emotional repression, and emotional turmoil are also major contributors to abdominal distension. They operate by disrupting the relationship between the liver and the spleen and stomach, 
upsetting the balance of wood and earth and thus the middle burner chi dynamic. Physiologically, chronic liver chi constraint causes a persistent low-grade spasm and tension in the smooth muscles of the gut, along with diminished peristalsis. Similarly, excessive amounts of worry, rumination, or over-concentration, think about students, academics, monks, can weaken the spleen, which not only reduces its efficiency, but leaves it vulnerable to the unwanted attentions of a bullying liver. These dietary and emotional factors can then be complicated by other problems that aggravate our distension even further. For example, once the spleen has become weak, it can fail to process fluids efficiently. These pathological fluids can then accumulate in the tissues of the abdominal wall and intestines, giving rise to quite a profound sense of distension. Disruption to the qi dynamic and the descent of stomach qi also frequently causes constipation and therefore a more substantial obstruction to qi movement. There are eight generally agreed upon patterns of abdominal distension and these can usually be distinguished quite clearly by palpation of the abdomen. Now I'm a big fan of this diagnostic technique and find it as useful as the pulse when done correctly. It's especially useful in gastrointestinal disorders in general and in abdominal distension specifically. As far as the patterns are concerned, we have all of the usual suspects. Liver cheek constraint or liver and spleen disharmony, food stagnation, damp heat, phlegm damp, a very interesting pattern in which heat and cold mix together, which is a very common pattern of distension, and then the various deficiencies of qi, yang and yin. We'll talk about these in a little bit more detail in a moment. But in practice, causes and patterns often intermingle and become mutually engendering, and multiple patterns can overlap. For example, if the qi dynamic is obstructed by a pathogen, such as damp heat or accumulated unprocessed food, this can weaken the spleen. Once the spleen is weak, it can fail to process and distribute fluids efficiently. These can end up in the tissues of the abdominal wall and in the intestinal cavity. Prolonged food stagnation frequently goes on to generate dampness and heat, which can then further go on to damage stomach yin. The presence of phlegm damp can easily block qi movement and in fact back up towards the liver, causing liver chi stagnation. Regardless of how complex things may seem, however, treatment always focuses on restoration of the chi dynamic as the main guiding principle. Now let's take a brief look at some of the patterns. Liver chi constraint, or liver and spleen disharmony, basically the same thing. Abdominal distension of a liver chi constraint type can be intermittent or persistent, and has a clear relationship to the patient's emotional state and stress levels. Belching, sighing and flatulence tend to be marked and may provide some relief from the abdominal discomfort. These patients tend to be moody and irritable and can be quick-tempered or depressed. The abdomen tends to be firm and resistant to pressure laterally, but the closer to the midline we get, we find that the tone diminishes and may become uh, quite soft and uh, toneless. This reflects the fact that when we've got liver and spleen disharmony, we have the excess aspect of the cheek and strain combined with the deficiency component of the spleen weakness. And we see that quite clearly in the lateral firmness and the medial tonelessness in this particular abdomen. 
pulse is generally, of course, somewhat wiry, and the tongue is often quite unremarkable. With the food stagnation pattern, the distension tends to be upper abdominal and epigastric, and what discomfort and distension there is, is often relieved somewhat following belching or passing gas, and is significantly worse with eating or eating certain poorly tolerated foods. When we feel the abdomen, the distension and discomfort are significantly worse with pressure. These patients generally have pretty bad breath, um, often copious foul flatulence, unpleasant belching, and a thick, greasy, white or yellow tongue coat. The damp heat pattern is characterised by intermittent or more likely continuous abdominal distension and fullness, mostly in the upper abdomen, although it may uh, be felt across the entire abdomen. Subjectively, the sense of distension is marked and the patient tends to be quite uncomfortable. However, objectively, the abdomen may or may not appear swollen. The sense of distension tends to be worse in the afternoon uh, and after eating. When we feel the abdomen, it's firm and quite resistant to pressure. It also may feel quite warm, especially when you palpate a bit more deeply. These patients feel quite distended, even though they tend to eat little, as they often lack appetite and often feel nauseous, but they still feel markedly distended. Damp heat patterns can be a complication of food stagnation, or they can be the consequence of an unresolved external pathogenic invasion. And in the latter case, you may find that there are palpable lymph nodes in the neck if that is what's going on. The phlegm dampness pattern, like the food stagnation and damp heat patterns, is characterized by the presence of a substantial pathogen. So the distension tends to be relatively severe and persistent, and in this case is usually apparent upon waking. The distension is worse for phlegm generating foods and beverages, and increased discomfort is evident when we palpate the upper abdomen. The abdomen feels quite firm and resists pressure. These patients are often overweight and may suffer from some degree of acid reflux and morning nausea. Now, if there's any vomiting, which sometimes there will be, the vomitus contains a mucus-like material. They're also prone to poor concentration and foggy-headedness. Tongue tends to be characteristically flabby and swollen with a thick, greasy coat. The mixed heat and cold pattern is a very common cause of abdominal distension and indeed a whole host of other gastrointestinal disturbances. It reflects a relatively complex mixture of excess deficiency, heat and cold with consequent disruption to the middle burner qi dynamic. Uh, in pathological terms, it typically involves varying degrees of spleen yang qi deficiency and damp heat, the damp heat being localised to the stomach. Traditionally, this pattern was thought to be the result of an inappropriate purge given during an acute external Tai-Yang syndrome. The bitter cold purge damages the spleen and weakens qi, thereby enabling the pathogen to gain access to the deeper levels of the body. A similar effect can occur today with cold-natured medicines, such as antibiotics, when used to treat a viral infection, for example. However, this mix of pathology can also be brought about more gradually by modern dietary, lifestyle, work and medication habits. The key feature of the distension here is a sense of blockage, fullness or discomfort 
localized to the upper abdomen, in particular the epigastrium. And when you palpate it, it feels soft and non-tender. So the patient doesn't resist it and they don't cry out when you palpate deeply. These patients also tend to have significant degrees of acid reflux or heartburn, um, loss of appetite, and maybe some diarrhea. The tongue can be quite variable given the mixture of heat and cold. Often we'll see a uh, slightly pale, swollen tongue with a greasy yellow tongue coat. The spleen chi deficiency type is characterized by intermittent abdominal distension, which tends to be alleviated by warmth and pressure. So patients like to clutch a hot water bottle to their abdomen and bend forward. It gives them some degree of relief. The distension is worse when eating raw or uncooked foods and cold drinks. Even though quite often these patients don't have very much appetite and only consume small amounts of food and yet they still feel quite distended when they do. When you palpate it, the abdomen feels soft and lacking in tone. And in fact, in extreme cases, if the patient's lying recumbent, you may see the um, abdominal aorta pulsing as the slack abdominal wall sinks down and sits close enough to it to be able to be seen. These patients tend to be pale, they look tired, they may feel clammy and are easily breathless. This is a very common cause of abdominal distension and in fact abdominal distension is the key characteristic symptom of spleen weakness. The spleen-young deficiency pattern of abdominal distension tends to be fairly unrelenting uh, and progressively worse as the day goes on until it sometimes can be difficult to bear in the evening. The abdomen can appear quite visibly swollen and yet when you feel it, when you palpate it, it feels soft and cool to the touch. The distension tends to affect the entire abdomen and is significantly worse with any eating at all and is also worse if the patient is exposed to cold and when fatigued. Sometimes there'll be some degrees of abdominal pain as well which are significantly improved with warmth and pressure. These patients feel cold to the touch and often experience diarrhea or in the case of abdominal distension the opposite sluggish bowel movements with no urge to defecate. If the latter is the case the stools are not dry Fluid metabolism problems can be a big issue in spleen-young deficiency, so there's often going to be puffiness around the eyes or in the fingers, quick weight fluctuations, uh, and possibly some problems with urination as well. The tongue is pale, scalloped, and swollen. The yin deficiency pattern is fairly unusual in my experience, because in general, rather than giving rise to distension, this particular pathology tends to give rise to this sense of nagging discomfort in the epigastrium like a pain but not quite a pain known as indefinable epigastric discomfort. When a sense of distension is part of the pattern however it tends to be worse on an empty stomach at the end of the day at night and when the patient is tired. These patients generally tend to run hot and dry with some degree of malar or facial flushing intermittent night sweats and sensations of heat in the palms and soles. Their mucous membranes are dry and they're prone to constipation uh, with dry pellet-like stools. The tongue tends to be on the red side of things with very little coat and may be peeled or cracked centrally. 
When it comes to treatment, the main strategy, in addition to regulating liver chi or clearing damp heat, transforming phlegm damp, whatever you need to do, is to restore the chi dynamic. Restoration of the dynamo of the chi dynamic can be achieved by combining herbs with opposing directional tendencies, thereby encouraging, in this case, the ascent of spleen chi and the descent of stomach chi. As it turns out, we have a large number of two herb combinations, each with their own specific characteristics and uses, and these can be added to whatever primary prescription is appropriate, if they're not already included, of course. Now, there are a number of different chi dynamics in the body, in addition to the spleen and stomach chi dynamic. And these include the heart-kidney axis, the lung-kidney axis, and the spleen and lung axis, which is also known as the yin-wei axis, which protects the surface, of course. All of these dynamic axes rely on a flow and cycle of unimpeded qi movement for healthy functioning. We have specific herb combinations to drive and restore each of these dynamics. Now, the directional tendencies of herbs are determined by their flavours and natures. So, in general, acrid, warm herbs are ascending and tend to encourage outward movement, while bitter cold herbs tend to be descending and encourage inward movement. Putting them together harnesses their opposing qualities to drive qi movement. In the case of the spleen and stomach qi dynamic, we can combine the acrid hot qualities of ganjiang, which is dry ginger, and the bitter cold qualities of huanglian, this is coptis root. When put together, these two strongly drive the middle churner, middle burner chi dynamic and are especially good for abdominal distension. We can find them at the core of such important formulas as banxia xia xintang, which is penelia decoction to drain the epigastrium, and wu mei wan, or mu mei pill. Similarly, the combination again of acrid hot ganjiang with bitter ho po, this is mag- magnolia bark. It's also excellent for abdominal distension specifically. Another example for driving the middle burner chi dynamic is the combination of acrid and hot wujuyu, this is evodia fruit, with bitter cold huanglian. This is specifically good for reflux and heartburn from disruption of the chi dynamic. There are numerous other chi driving combinations and they're often found at the core of some of our most revered formulas. For example, the acrid jiagan, platycodon root, is combined with a bitter niushi, acuranthus root, as the dynamic heart of shuifujuyutang, which is used for driving qi and blood systemically. Very important formula for qi and blood stasis pathology. Another example is combining the acrid hot rogwei, cinnamon bark, with bitter cold huanglian again, to restore the heart and kidney axis. This is found in Jiao Taiwan. A much more detailed discussion of pathologies like abdominal distension, including many others, of course, with specific treatments and numerous variants, can be found in the Clinical Handbook of Internal Medicine, a publication from Eastland Press. Thank you for tuning in. If you would like to read the information from today's episode, you can find the written article linked in the episode description. And please subscribe to the show. 
It's a great way to show your support and to hear when our next episode comes out. In our upcoming episode, Dr. Sky Sturgeon will talk about three formulas for food stagnation. Until then, take good care of yourself and your patients. Chinese medicine matters, and so do you. Hi everyone, Lauren here again, wishing you a happy and healthy May. As many of you know, Chinese Medicine Matters is the podcast of Mayway Herbs, a TCM online store and dispensary where practitioners can ship directly to their patients. This month on Chinese Medicine Matters, we're focusing on women's health. We'll explore a wide array of topics related to women's health at different stages of life. So stay tuned for informative episodes you won't want to miss. And we're excited to offer a special discount on our Women's Health Formulas category the entire month of May. Practitioners use code WOMEN24 at checkout on mayway.com to receive a 15% discount. And remember to sign up for the Mayway Herbs newsletter for exclusive content and ongoing promotions. The episode description includes a link to sign up. And thanks again for tuning in and supporting Real Chinese Medicine.